welcome to another episode of Sequel Pitch, the podcast where four film-loving friends watch a movie that hasn't got a sequel and then fight to the death to see who has the best idea for one. I am Andy Henry, your host and only pitcher after winning last week. And that's the uh, comedy gold you'll be expecting this week <laughs> as we watch the 2019 Todd Phillips film, The Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix. So yes, for legal reasons, I couldn't kill all my friends. Um, joining me b- b- back this week uh, are Ross Harmston, the Viking XL Matt Rushton, Hello. and our very special guest judge. He's a writer for Film Hounds Magazine, Cinerama Films Online, Radio Times, The Digital Fix, Certified Forgot, and Massive Cinema. It's Sab Ashley. Hello. Hey, Sab. Woo. Um, unfortunately, Drew Toynbee couldn't be with us uh, this week, but he will hopefully be with us next episode. Sab, thank you very much for coming down and judging for this week. And being our very special guest, we have relinqu- relinquished the strict 60-second po- uh, synopsis over to you whenever you're ready. Thank you. Okay. Right. Here we go. Arthur Fleck is a party clown and aspiring stand-up comedian living in 1970s Gotham with his old mother Penny. He has a condition of laughing at inappropriate times, causing him to be beat up a lot. His clown co-worker Randall is like, you need a gun, and gives him one while he pursues his single neighbour Sophie romantically. After his gun falls out at a children's hospital, Arthur gets fired and is sad clown man on the subway home, when, uh-oh, here come three Wayne Enterprises employees. They, ridic- they ridicule and start to beat him up, and Arthur shoots the first two in self-defense and third in cold blood, because why not? This begins an anti-capitalist clown movement against Gotham's rich, while Arthur's life gets worse and worse. He's no longer taking his meds or going to therapy because of budget cuts. Sophie comes to his stand-up routine, but he completely bombs. To make matters worse, he intercepts a letter from Thomas Wayne to his mother. Maybe Thomas Wayne is his dad? He tries to confront Mm. Thomas Wayne at a party who tells him Penny is a liar. Arthur steals a file from Arkham State Hospital, which proves Penny did work for Thomas, but that she's also a narcissist and allowed her boyfriend to abuse Arthur. As if this wasn't damaging enough, Arthur's also been doing a fight club on us. His interactions with Sophie never happened, making his appearance in her apartment terrifying for her. Feeling betrayed by his mother, he smothers her with a pillow. Soon after, Arthur sees his standard routine from the club on Robert De Niro's Murray Franklin variety show, where he labels him a joker. He gets invited onto the show! As he's appearing to head downtown, old clown colleagues come to see him, including Randall, who he violently, violently murders. Arthur, now fully clowned up, evades the police for a mass of clown protesters, making his way to Murray's production. He asks Murray to be introduced as Joker, and following possibly the worst guest appearance on a variety show, shoots Murray in the head live on television as revenge. (laughs) He's arrested, but the clown revolution has spiralled out of control. In the background of the carnage, Thomas and Martha Wayne are killed by a rioter. The riots lead to Arthur's police car being totaled, and he's hauled out and dances for the crowd as he paints a bloody smile across his face. But suddenly, we're in Arkham Hospital. Was it all a dream? Arthur tells his therapist, and maybe us. You wouldn't get it. Ooh, nice. That was I mean, that's all pretty close to uh, yeah. a 60 seconds, probably. Well done. That's than, right. Yeah, closer more than we ever got. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, fellas, let's go around, give a quick quick thoughts once over. What are everyone's first impressions? Let's kick uh, off with Sab. I think I want to hear Sab's thoughts first. Let's go for Sab. Yeah. So, it's funny because we talk- I was talking about this with some friends not too long ago. I think stylistically, I really like the film. Like, it looks and sounds amazing. Like, mm. it looks genuinely looks like 1970s, which I really appreciate. I just don't think it's like that good of a script. 
I think it's like I when it first came out, I got really sucked up into the whole media storm of this film is dangerous. We need to stop this film. <laughs> and then like yeah. two weeks later, I was like, what? What was I even talking about? I think yeah. I think it's kind of it's such an interesting case because it, it's it got swept up in such a media storm and like it's so surprising that this won the Berlin Award. But I think it's I think it's just an okay film ultimately. Like I don't actually think it's that bad, but I also don't think it's that good. I like recently watched Todd Phillips's previous film War Dogs, and I was like, oh, Joker makes like a lot more sense now in my head. Like I kind of get more what he's going for. It doesn't make mm. it better, but it's more like, oh, okay, I kind of understand where he's at. Like it's kind of led me to think, oh, him and Adam McKay are kind of similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, going from t- kind of comedy into drama-ish. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting, Matt. Um, I I agree with a lot. I, in terms of the stylistic, the cinematography is great. The colour is incredible. Right? One, of, one of the key things that stands out for me is the use of colour throughout this and how it almost feeds his personality and feeds his emotions into camera. Um, mm. I'll give Joaquin Phoenix kudos. His performance is electric, right? He yeah, is absolutely. He's a standout in it. Um, I'd be concerned to be his therapist after it, um, <laughs> but you know, ultimately, I think. And we kind of talked. Ross and I kind of talked a bit about this after watching it. Like, it's just a bit pretentious. Like, it just it's mm. it's a movie that's kind of up its own arse a bit, um, and <laughs> you know, it, it tells a story. It tells a story that people aren't used to. Um, it could tell the yeah. story a lot better in some ways, but I think it's very lucky to have Joaquin Phoenix on board because ultimately he manages to tell the story without mm. the words on the page that, you know, I think we wanted to, or certainly I wanted to see this kind of story. And I think that, yeah, the script, as you said, Sab, it holds him back from what could have been like truly one of the most amazing films that I think we could have seen to come out of the DC universe. Mm. But ultimately, it got let down by uh, poor script writing, just way too much indulgence. Like, it just felt like everything was overindulged. But, yeah, you know, I still enjoyed the film, watching it. <clears throat> it's not a film I don't enjoy. Yeah. Oh, Ross, what about you, then? Uh, I'm going to say I really <laughs> love the film. Um, I... I I agree with the cinematography. I think the soundtrack as well is really good. Uh, Hildur, I don't know. I can't pronounce this. Yeah, it's such a yeah hard I name. kept uh, yeah. <laughs> I kept coming back to the soundtrack. Actually, making notes, going like soundtrack's really good. I yeah, should, uh, it just it it put on my list. It's just a really good soundtrack to go with that film as well. Like in the the way they use the soundtrack. It, um you know in the in the bathroom dance scene and stuff mm. uh, that was cool um i when i saw this at the cinema i was like yeah that was so good on the second watch uh watching it on amazon prime it wasn't as good as i remember it being i agree with matt in the, and and you guys in terms of yeah it can it can come across a little bit pretentiously like um it definitely is a very slow film, um, mm. a very slow film. Um, but I don't know. I just, I get it's probably because of Joaquin Phoenix's performance yeah. in it, the fact that he oh, was yeah, allowed so. to just do 
whatever. Like, you know, yeah. there's a scene in that film where he gets into a fridge and that was just, yeah, that was so unplanned. Odd. So odd. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that after like a fight or something? I felt like he did that to kind of numb some muscles or something. Maybe I'm not remembering. No, I he, he just got a fight or. It was just, it would, they just start, it was an improvisation <clears throat> thing and they just started <laughs> and they filmed it. Um, and I also look at it as a as a weirdly because it it doesn't really feel like a superhero movie, but I look at it as in terms of the DC mm. the DC brand and the DC films that they've released. Yeah. And this yeah. was so yeah. out of the box that for me I was like, wow, that was so cool. <laughs> Might be the best yeah. DC film out there, like in a while. Though it's not trying to be a DC film, so yeah. Since well, you've like been on... Dark Knight, yeah. basically. I was like, Ross, you said it sounds like there's something a bit missing. Matt said it's. It's miss, you know, you wish you had more. And what then? Well, the, I, I, if this wasn't connected to the DC, then if it wasn't, if it maybe it was called Joker, but wasn't actually connected to DC, do you think this would have done better or worse? Is it connected to the DCU? <clears throat> um, I don't know. It's if... not connected to the DCEU, but because of like, I don't know, maybe just the idea or being overshadowed by the DC name. I think. And if it had no connection and. So he's changed that maybe it wasn't no, it wasn't called Joker, but just called the comedian. Mm. I ah uh, okay, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, I think like the Joker is quite possibly the most synonymous villain with comic books. Like, I think he's universally known as you know as Batman's uh, biggest arch nemesis, but mm. he's known way beyond that. Like, you don't have to be. A DC nerd to know the joke. You don't need to be a DC nerd to know Batman. But, you know, there's been so many iconic uh, performances of the Joker down the years. You know, Heath Ledger yeah, being one yeah. of the most synonymous ones, and obviously all the tragic events that followed that. You know, it's it comes with a real gravity to it, and I think people will always expect something that they understand. I think Jared mm. Leto's Joker got such a bashing because it was so far, like so far away yeah. from anything that people had seen yeah. before in live action. They'd seen it in the animated series, and you know you kind of walk a line with Joaquin Phoenix's, where it's almost quite ambiguous what its, you know, what its feeds are and what parts and what comics they've taken this Joker mm. from, and I think that helps in a lot of ways, but also kind of hinders because you never really, <clears throat> you know, they yeah, talk a lot I... about the mental health, but. Then you also mm. bring in the green hair to it, and you bring in the very pale yeah. makeup that we've seen in the most recent Leto one. So I was waiting for that. Like I was kind of almost waiting for him to tie his hair green. That's just got, it got me the idea. I was like, if this had nothing to do with this character, mm. I wonder if it would have um, just made more of an impact or done done a bit different. I think oh. part of the reason why it works so much is because, like, if you actually kind of try and pretend for a minute it's not Joaquin Phoenix, the way it's being played mm. is like really ridiculous like bordering almost parody but i think because joaquin just gives so much of himself into the role that you really oh, just yeah. believe it like it goes beyond it being kind of absurd because like if you like for example we take that fridge moment if you replace joaquin phoenix with jared leo everyone goes like that's just so weird that he did that well jared would have been <laughs> yeah. flexing a lot more as well to the camera <laughs> yeah, that's true. before he gets into the he fridge he's like this fridge here like yeah <laughs> 
But I think this here, I think biceps everywhere. I think just because he properly embodies the role so much, even down to his physicality, I think he just manages mm. to bring a seriousness to it that I don't think anyone was really expecting out of like a Joker origin film. Yeah, well, you talk about his physicality. Obviously, he was very skinny for this. I think he lost 65, uh, 56 pounds or something, and that's shot maybe the first, uh, you know, when he had his the, to his back, we could see his spine, his really spindly arms. Ooh, like, going in the air, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, mm, it was a little bit. I'll tell you, uh, I really like the, the, like, sort of the reference or the homage to King of Comedy with, um, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Do you think he was a good talk show host? Yeah, I think. If I mean, I, think I would it... not watch his show <laughs> if he had one. <laughs> I thought he was awful. I understand trying to have him in because, yeah, to have, like homage that and all that lot. But oh god, he was awful as an actual talk show host. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I can say. It's just like no, for Robert De Niro, I was like, he's also got like no, I don't know, like charisma or anything, but. He was the worst bit of the film, was this? Yeah. <laughs> Famous actor, mul- 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 yeah. Oscar winner, fucking Robert De Niro. If you're listening, you were shit. <laughs> well, of course he is. He's dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like that. I really like the fact that they sort of played on that King of Comedy sort of story, but they went like. Because mm. I've seen King Comedy. I love that film. That It's a good movie. And I really like the fact that they sort of homage to that in this. Um, it wasn't too much for you because that was one of the criticisms when this first came out was basically it was it was a, it was basically this and Taxi Driver. I mean, you can say that about any movie yeah, that is a that homage yeah. to any other movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't right. think that let it Come down. <laughs> yeah. You let, you let it down? Why? No, I said I don't think it let it oh, down. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They've got some beautiful, like, yeah, so the script is a bit, yeah. But there are some good lines where he's like, you know, where he says, I used to think my life was a, a tragedy, but now mm. I just realise it's a fucking comedy, and then brutally murders yes. his own mother. And, when, and the uh, bit where he does shoot Murray, you get what you fucking so deserve. Like, that's that's yeah. an amazing murder. Mm. And I will say, yeah. I do really love the kind of, like, it's almost shot like a horror when he's in the train. And he shot both of them. Mm. And there's a guy who's just running. And then I don't know what it is, but I remember seeing it in the cinema. And I swear that like the sound mixers just amp up the sound for that final shot because it's almost <laughs> it's almost terrifying how loud it mm, is. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that is the point where he, I guess, he crosses the line, yeah. isn't it? Because he obviously voluntarily shoots that. So yeah, that could have been an, an intentional move. Do you think we needed the scene with Bruce Wayne? I don't know if I needed that. No. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I mean that's what I was talking about, like having it connected to to the I DC. Guess, it was. I guess they had to have it, it was trying to. Yeah, it was trying to make him still, you know, trying to be a bit like a hearted. He, I, I think well, I, he was still trying to show he hadn't gone all the way crazy. Do you know yet. what I can't but wait I, for? I do admit. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to listen to your pictures and explain how the fuck if you've got Bruce Wayne in it and how old he is compared to <laughs> how old Joker is in it. Joker's definitely the age of Black Phoenix. I've got some, I've yeah, got some he... notes on some ages in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm look forward yeah. to that. Um, yeah. I, I think you can't. Going back to what Andy asked, like, if this wasn't a DC movie, I always think like you can't have a Joker origin story and not tie it into the Bruce Wayne origins mm. as well. 
But yeah. I think it was an, it, it's a nice different take almost in the fact that it was the Joker's uprising that caused the Wayne's death. Like, for me, will it feed into the Robert Patterson movie? Who knows? Perhaps it does in my pitch. Who knows? No, Todd well, yeah. Phillips has come out and said it's I'm in definitely not. This one. Right, <laughs> I'm in charge of the sequel. Fuck Todd Phillips, all right? Um, Bye. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the, as a point, this was such a hard one for me to mm. sequelize. Not because, like, I couldn't think of an idea, which also was the case, but, like, it's such a, it's such a contained it's a movie about mm. the Joker. It would feel weird to go any other way, like, with introducing Batman or any other, like, per, like it's such a solo... I it's, don't know. It's hard to think where to take this character and still respect the first one. Yeah. Definitely. I, I definitely had that problem. It, um, but then I, I thought, fuck it. It's interesting. <laughs> when, when I read your pitches, I was none of you went for the route that I thought some of you were going to go for, which was which is interesting. Because like you oh, say, okay. it's so... Yeah, bring that up at the end then. Yeah, Let's find out what that is. Um, What else? What else can we say? What's... um. Oh, actually, Sab had a funny thing in his um, in the synopsis. Uh, was it all? Was it all in his head? Well, yeah, some people you think it was all in his head. Some people do think yeah. that, don't they? Because there's mm. like, I... but isn't he in a completely different building from like the first? Or, or the whole? Oh, I guess the whole thing would be. I think there's... some people. Th- but sorry, go on, Sab. There's something about time in the film. Something to do with clocks, I think. Oh, in that, like, yeah, you don't see things about sure. move or something. But it's so like. It's one of those mm. things where it's like it's so vague. It could just be accidental, <laughs> or maybe it's yeah. super intentional. Like it's it's so readable into that there's no definitive answer. It's actually the guys was... who wrote Inception have made this movie, and we just yeah. haven't even realised <laughs> it yet. <laughs> there's like rumours that well, when I first watched it, I was like, oh yeah, it could be that actually he he imagined he was on that train. And killed those guys, and he, that it was somebody else that did this. Mm. But he's he's taking mm. on the role of the clown, the killer clown, and thinking that he's something that he's not. That's what I, but then I was like, oh, mm. probably not. It's probably not. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what do we think of the yeah the the Fight Club reveal? I guess with um uh, was it Zazie Beats playing his neighbor Sophie? Needed? Not needed? Helped? Like... I think it it feeds into like. The whole subject of, you know, the Joker's demise here is mental health and his breakdown of his mental health and his narcissistic personality disorder and his delusion, you know, his disillusionment that he gets the same as his mother. And I think, like, I was actually sat there at first, I was like, God, they're making him a victim, they're making him, like, this tragic anti-hero. Um, and I'm mm. glad that they veered a little less away from that as they dive more into his mental health. Like, it's such... A delicate line to walk and you know I feel like again perhaps it was Joaquin's performance over the script writing but I never at any point felt that they were doing a disservice to you know people who suffer with mental health I thought that was at least handled mm. quite well and I think it brought a very new like we very much see the Joker as the psychotic character most of the time and we've never really had a sensitive approach into how he gets there so I think that yeah. this whole idea of that character suddenly he's in her living room and she's like, what the fuck? get out of my house. Who like you're my neighbour, you're that guy that I kinda of just know your name. What are you doing? Like, 
I think it's an important point to start breaking down his ideals and breaking down this world he's created. So mm. I think it kind of it then moves you from a point of like, oh, kind of not all oh, Joker, but like I mean, this guy is dealing with a lot of shit. So it's like actually this guy's quite dangerous now. So I think that yeah, helps I, to mm. shift those gears down into the dark depths that we end up in at the end. I think it's one of the few, might even be the only moment where you do start to question the reliability of Arthur. Because mm. it's one of the few yeah. moments where it's like, oh, oh wait, hold on a minute. If none of that happens, then what's, like, can we trust this guy? It's like kind of like the one moment where you're like, okay, maybe this guy might be a little bit unstable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if this isn't yeah. real, what else isn't real? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess Ross alluded to whether he wants a sequel or not, because there, there's rumours there's one in the works. I'm guessing you don't, Ross. You want this as a one and done? Leave that as it is. I mean, if 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 they can figure out something, and mm. I'm sure they will be able to, um, yeah. then I'm all for it. Will it but be you're... again self-indulgent? Who knows? Like, it, mm. will it become? It's will it become a joke in itself? We. Oh, <laughs> Uh, what about you, Sab and Matt? If they were had a, would you be in line for tickets if they had a sequel? Do you think? Without obviously without knowing anything about what the story is about, would you be excited if they were like, yeah, we're going to make a second one? I think same cast, same director, same everything. I think I don't know is the thing because it's like where do you, where mm. do you go? Like Ross said, it's such an intimate, contained film, and like the only idea, like I said, I'll say at the end, but the only idea I had for even a sequel doesn't necessarily directly continue on from this first film. Mm. So I don't yeah. know. Um, for me, I wouldn't watch a sequel to this film unless I knew that it was branching out into a wider DC universe because I don't think you can. Uh, I think yeah. to make any more films about the Joker and just the Joker would water down the importance of this film in a lot of ways. Mm. You know, it would yeah. discredit the work of Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix and all the cast and crew involved because, you know, it absolutely ends as it should. And to go in to make another sequel just for this is either purely for profit or pr purely for creative indulgence. So therefore, mm. no, unless they <laughs> turned around and were very clear that this is leading into something much bigger. Yeah, but very much. This is a Joker film. It's still a story about him. Like you can't yeah. have a sequel where the way it's it ends. about God knows who, the Riddler. But yeah, that's gonna say kind of the way it ends is uh, it, you know, obviously it's quite open mm -hmm. as a as where I could go. But it'd be interesting to to see if they do. Indeed. Mm. I mean, when they run with my sequel pitch, like it will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. Will, yeah. 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 Do everything be... I've just suggested. Quite They're nicely. green lighted tomorrow. Yeah. Of course. When of they course. get that call, they'll be like, Buzz. "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> right, boys. Um... No, they'll just take your. This is the thing: is we never copyright our ideas. So they <laughs> can just could. listen yeah, to could. our Maybe sequel pitch and go. Every studio is just waiting for the next sequel pitch on their <laughs> film department. Like, oh, right, download that. Yeah. Get the transcript up, and we'll see what we can tell. <laughs> uh... Right then, before uh, final scores, I guess any anything you would change, anything you didn't like, like really didn't like. I think one thing that. It's a little. We need Drew. We need a Drew. Drew didn't like this. Movie. It's a little <laughs> thing that really annoys me, but he randomly goes from calling Murray Murray 
to just going moray. It's such a tiny thing, but it, it really pisses me off for some reason. Because I'm like, why are you doing that? Because he, he, yeah, he just moray. randomly starts doing it. Oh, I guess that also is in line with the Joker because it's just like little things mm. that just piss you off for no reason. Moray. <laughs> um, Fair. I don't, I, I don't know how I would change it, but I was like, w- once everything came out about his mum, I suddenly kind of just felt like really disconnected from her character, right? Mm. Because it, it, you know, it'd been, uh, there's, she's clearly very unwell, and he was caring for her and whatnot. But it was when it kind of came out that she had all the personality flaws and that, uh, you know, was dealing with similar mental health issues that. It turns out he was having, then suddenly mm. it just became, it all just became hereditary. So therefore, she was just a construct That's more sympathy, in the story. Yeah, for yeah. Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like mm. it, it didn't do her character any discredit, but I just became rather detached because I immediately then saw where the story was going and how Arthur Fleck was how he was because it was because of his mother. And I was like, yeah. okay, well now you're just serving purely plot. Now I have no emotional connection to you whatsoever, and when you die, you're just going to help your son go further into chaos, and lo and behold, she did, and he did. Yeah, <laughs> he was waiting, looking at your clock, going, when yeah. is she going to die? When is she going to die? So. Right then, boys, final, final scores. What do, we, uh, what do we think? How are we giving this movie out of five? Three and above being a recommendation. Let's start with Sab. I'm going to give it two and a half clown noses Ooh. out of five, because I... Ooh. I, I I don't really think this film is that good. On uh, stylistically, it's like a it's like a four. It's just is is mm. that script for me that kind of holds it back. It's like if the, if the script was just beefed up a little bit, I think it could be mm. could be something good. But yeah, two point five, I'd say. Two point five. I'm gonna go in a little higher. Again, I thoroughly agree. Stylistically, four four point five even perhaps. Um, I will detract scores for the script, but I will. Adds some points on Joaquin Phoenix's performance, so I'm going to give it 3.5 uncontrollable laughing fits on the bus out of five. <laughs> Three and a half uncontrollable fits, just stop halfway through, okay? Uh, and Ross, uh, I for me, it's, it scores a little higher just purely on the uh, uh the difference uh in movie and style and the choices it made in terms of a an origins story and uh, stylistically. Uh, so I'm going to give it 3.75 sticking your fingers in a young boy's mouth. Yeah, uh, that was weirdly a, yeah. I making I him smile. I thought he smile. was choking him at first. I thought he was going up to choke him. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> easy, Arthur. And then his, I don't know if that's worse, his fingers were in his mouth. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, or, but... Not in COVID times. Yeah. Not in COVID yeah, times. Now. <laughs> I, was, I hope you hand sanitized your hands. Uh, <laughs> Um, um, I I guess I feel the oh sorry Ross yeah keep going. yeah that's it that's it yeah. I was gonna say I I kind of agree with you all it's all I think stylistically very nice maybe I, I, the first time I saw it I think I was a bit like oh and then second time as Ross said you're you're kind of a bit more I guess you pay attention a bit more to more, like maybe the, the dialogue yeah and the script a bit more um, yeah. I I do think they were hindered a lot kind of that they had to. Almost, uh, Joker hasn't got like a backstory in this to say, but they had to follow. You know, he had to dye his hair at one point, and um, they had to have, as I know, like Thomas Wayne 
being a mayoral candidate and stuff, you know, didn't do much for it. But yeah, I think if they completely just had a, I was trying to think of um, the uh, Michael Douglas film Fallen Down. You ever seen that? Oh uh, yeah. And it's just a man. I love it because I don't think he's got any like mental illness or anything. He's just a man who's had enough, really kind of pissed off with life, and some, you know, he. He's he's kind of downtrodden, a bit like Arthur. He's uh, insecure and all that lot. But then he goes on a almost uh, antagonistic narrative uh, the whole way through the movie. And I was a bit like, oh, I, this felt I, this, I felt that this could have been not an updated version of Fallen Down, but because Fallen Down didn't have anything to you know hit any tick boxes basically on their checklist, mm. uh, I think it did fall a little bit. But I'm gonna give it uh three point two five because i do think it's i do think it's a recommendation so that leaves us with a grand score of three point two five nice so that is a recommendation okay it's time to see where we take this character because get ready it's time to get your sequels pitched once all the pitchers have pitched their pitch the judge and supreme leader sab will ask us some questions or ask us to expand on story ideas or anything he wants before we all plead to him why our pitch is the best. Sab, who would you like to hear first? I want to hear from you first, please, Andy. Okay, so my joke, my title, because I came up with it first, <laughs> is called <laughs> it's called Joker 2, The Joke's on You. And my little blurb is, Joker and a new friend go on a road trip to stop an uprising. <laughs> okay, so we open in a... <laughs> We open in a limo traveling to a theater with a rich family inside. We hear over the radio it's like between, I don't know, five or eight years since the rise of a man or a symbol or some know him, uh, know him as an icon, but he is known all around the world basically as the man Joker. Uh, and people who relate to his message have started an uprising. They broke him out of Arkham Asylum, and since then he has recruited more and more followers. And because of this, uh, the city has suffered. Crime, arson, and murder are on the rise, and the divide between the rich and poorest is the biggest it's ever been. The limo stops outside the theatre after the guests are shown into their seats by the ushers. The curtain opens to reveal a dead opera singer and standing above him in blood is Joker. Um, he will, it's a bit long, but if anyone knows the killing joke, um, that the joke that Joker says mm. to Batman, he'll say that. I can say it if you want, but it's like <laughs> 10 lines. It's a bit long. Um, so he'll say that. Obviously, not get a laugh. All the audience will start to panic. Uh, and when they turn around and to try and leave, they see all the ushers with uh, Joker masks on, guns maybe, but basically not letting them leave. Uh, on stage, Joker says the society needs to change. The old ways didn't work, and now a leader has to take over with a new plan. The new plan being that everyone is equal. Joker intends to bring down everyone to the same level in society and hopes that it will make people start caring about each other. A brave member of the audience stands up and tells Joker that he is a madman and he will never be a leader. Joker freaks out and says, if you're not with me, then you're against me, and shoots the man. The crowd panics again and Joker tells the goons to fire, but before they do, the guns are ripped out of their hands and bound together in the middle of the room. Smoke starts to fill the room and the doors are blown open, letting the guests out. Joker runs, but before he does, he sees a mysterious shadow through the smoke. And then through the smoke, we have the title, Joker 2, The Joke's On You. Ooh. Ooh. We quickly introduce Commissioner Gordon talking to a colleague. Uh, Gordon has asked if he knows anything about this new guy in town policing the streets, taking crime into his own ha hands. Um, and we have a, a joke or something where they're building to the name, but they never actually say his name. They never say Batman. They, they basically refer to him as like the shadow because he's quite new and unknown at the moment. Uh, and then suddenly we hear there's a disturbance at the mayor's office. <laughs> Uh, the mayor's office. <laughs> 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 Batman 66. <laughs> yeah. 
Cut to the mayor's office where Joker tells the mayor to... Uh, sorry, cut to the mayor's office where the Joker is holding up the mayor and he tells him to relinquish power over to him. The mayor says the dem uh, democratic thing would be to have an election. So the Joker says, OK, and takes a vote in the room. All the goons and then the mayor's aides by force raise their hands and Joker goes to shoot the mayor, uh, but then instorms the shadow and the shadow takes down the goons and the Joker. That night at the GCPD, Gordon is visited by Shadow and they share clues and then there's going to be a massive uprising in Joker's, of Joker's army in another country that over, will overthrow the government. I mean, I don't know where Gotham is based. I think it's kind of based... New York supposed to be New York, right? It, yeah. yeah. So he's, I don't know, maybe like California, basically. It's, it's, it's a couple of countries away. Okay. Countries? <laughs> states. Okay. States. 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 It's, it's a long road country. <laughs> yeah, the DC... The DC this is the trilogy. California is, my, uh... is a new country. <laughs> uh, Shadow tells Gordon he needs to convince Joker to stop his army. So Gordon agrees, but says the GD GCPD can't look to be involved. Gordon tells Shadow they should alert the, the country... California. Um, but Shadow says there are leaks in that government and if a uh, word gets out before they get there, it will be worse. So Gordon says he will follow uh, the two in a car and Shadow reluctantly agrees. And then we have a scene where the Shadow breaks uh, Joker out of jail and we see Gordon following from a safe distance behind. Act 2 is like a dark buddy cop road trip movie where the Joker and Shadow get into the psychology of who they are and what they and why they do what they do. Uh, trying to show the Joker isn't as crazy as the as Shadow and people think. Talking about his backstory, but uh, he's starting to get certain things mixed up. Um, because we know everything about Arthur Fleck at the moment, we kind of have an advantage where he's obviously trying to convince someone he's not, you know, quote unquote crazy, mm. and we kind of obviously believe that. But someone who doesn't who doesn't know what we know, obviously, is not going to believe that. So it's kind of I'm trying to like emphasize that 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 way. Um, but at the same time, he is slightly going a bit more insane, so he's mixing th things up and getting some of his backstory wrong. Um, they start to talk about family and Shadow obviously giving nothing away but the Joker being able to read his stoic face like a book he tells Shadow all it takes is one day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy that's how far the world is from where Shadow is just one bad day which is a line from the comic very nice extra points uh, Bruce Wayne is brought up in conversation and we learn his parents were after, so after his parents were murdered he supposedly went insane although Joker never saw him in the asylum um, so if this, this act is supposed to be quite light and road trippy, but if we need some action, they could go to some informants or something and there could be some fights, uh, and then maybe lead into like a race against the time moment. Uh, end of act two, there's something, something goes wrong between Shadow and Joker. Maybe there's an actual like genuine trust building between the two, but then it's broken. Joker could take something the wrong way, mishear something or, you know, anyway, but they get into a fight and Joker injures Shadow. Uh, Gordon is a little bit behind, but when he pulls over, he sees Shadow injured and then jo Joker comes out uh, from nowhere and knocks him out. He radios to the cops in the country, uh, California, that he has arrived and the goons come and pick him up, Gordon and Shadow. And again, Shadow can either be knocked out um, or he can have a little fight and then get knocked out. Act 3 is set in an abandoned amusement park and Shadow and Gordon wake up in cages facing another cage with something inside covered by a sheet. Joker stands on a stage in front of the whole amusement park filled with his, filled with his army. Half the goons are live-streaming him and Joker tells the world that uh, the world has made him a broken man and a monster. All he wanted to do was fill the world with laughter and joy, but no one ever listened. He goes on about how things have to change, but for that to happen, there has to be consequences. The sheets in the cage are ripped off to reveal a young lady. It's Gordon's daughter, Barbara. Um, yeah, there's reason, there, I mean, there's reasons she could be there. Uh, she's either she could be in the country, she could be Gordon's assistant, but that kind of yeah. she's not just suddenly there's a magic hit from the country. There's reasons, easy, yeah. Give that the skip. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, pitch not the script. <laughs> Joker tells Gordon the world, ne- uh, the world needs to stop fighting back and accept things are wrong, uh, and he needs to reset the status quo, but he needs a good man in charge of the police and offers Gordon the chief of police. Gordon refuses, and he sees Joker shoot Barbara in the back, paralysing her and leaving her helpless in the cage. Shadow then breaks free and manages to blow up the stage. Uh, he has, like, shadow bombs, you know, like Batman does. Uh, throwing Joker and Shadow to a secluded section, basically. Uh, there they can have a small fight, but Shadow easily overpowers Joker, but Joker manages to win with his words and convince Shadow that things do need to change. Uh, and then Shadow um, can either take off his mask, basically, to reveal, shock, it's Bruce Wayne. Uh, and then Joker can kill him because he's, like, rich and obviously part of the problem. Uh, or maybe it's just the, the comic book uh, nerd in me wants him to leave the mask on so Joker can actually just stab Batman. But it probably makes more sense if he takes the mask off. And he goes, you can kill me because I am rich and part of the problem and maybe insane. So he does. He kills Bruce Wayne. And as he heads back up to the amusement park, uh, we end with like maybe a narrative or something. Um, uh, an optimistic joke. Something like, it may be hard. Uh, a change may be a hard word to say, but that's just, that's just because it's Latin. <laughs> because the origin of the word change is Latin. And then I did have in brackets, make sure you make up a better joke before the podcast. But I didn't see that till now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. Okay. So, yeah. I... It's notes time, you're right? I'm not cool. That's it. Yeah. So, Get me, hit me, hit me. I like it. Mm, However, I you. think it feels more like a Batman film than it does a Joker mm. film. And it's quite quite big so my f- <laughs> my first question was so he's got batman has quite a significant presence in it so how would you ensure that the focus still stays on joker and there's also the issue of like bruce wayne was a child in the last joker how long how much time has passed between joker one and well joker i saw two? i saw him as being like 13 or something like that in the first one, and then uh, in the uh, like, on the radio, he won't say it's been between five and eight years. But it's, you know, I can imagine him being like kind of what the Robert Pattinson movies going through is kind of a younger Batman. Okay. So like he, to be honest, he could be like eighteen, and I'd still kind of buy that. And he, uh, he'd like he'd be an all, all right kind of physical foe for someone, um, Joaquin Phoenix's like age. But um, yeah, I mean, without it, unfortunately, it, like keeping the film centered around Joker would come out more in the script and the dialogue. But I, I was trying to think, where could you take the Joker? What more could we learn about the Joker? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like the idea more of like him losing himself, which is why he, when he's talking about the backstory, he can't really remember. But um, no, that was basically just because we need, we need character development of some sort in a film. And Batman is just who we don't really know much about yet. But um it's 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 still Joker heavy, um, but yeah, it's hard because it's just going to be in in his dialogue and stuff, and how he convinces Batman basically to be not Batman anymore. And you do you do quite a controversial thing where you introduce Batman, but then you also kill him in the same <laughs> in the yeah. same film, which I think would be a very hot take. Yeah. So yeah. Like, well. Once, yeah. once you've done that, where, like, let's say in a, a potential three, like, where would you go from here? Again, like, I, Robin, I, I don't know. 
Yeah, Robin, maybe push him up. I mean, no, I mean, like I, again, this is this is a sequel pitch, but I wouldn't have. I won't. I don't want a sequel to this film. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, so I don't want a sequel. So again, I'm kind of trying to leave it a little bit open. I'm trying to like when he's like walking back to the the amusement park, mm. uh, and he's like, everything will be okay. He's gonna have a monologue like a voiceover, like everything's gonna be okay. And you know the new status quo will be uh, will be made, but obviously he's doing it in the wrong way. So the audience, I want the audience to be like, well, is he gonna do it in a quote unquote nice way? Is he gonna do it his way, this new aggressive way, or is nothing gonna change? And once he gets powerful, you know, nothing will change. So have you thought about what you'd like in the soundtrack? Because we're a little more forward now, ahead in time, so you can play with some some more fun songs. Maybe no more Gary Glitter. But yeah, <laughs> no, definitely, I don't know. There definitely have to be something in like in the Batmobile. There have to be, I don't know, the stereo or something. We've never seen the stereo in the Batmobile. So, yeah, maybe the Joker finds it and he's listened to um, Jedward or something. <laughs> that would just so destroy Batman's character, what wouldn't it? Oh, my God. That's crazy, Batman. You got Jedward in it. Jedward would be there, would he? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, no, it's eight years after. Oh, I don't even know. Oh, no, I don't even know. <laughs> In this How universe, Jedward weren't even alive. Was around. In this universe, Jedward exists in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. every universe. In the DCU. We can't get away from fucking Jedward. Oh yeah, that's mm. um, that's all my notes for that one. I think it sounds like a a great Batman Beginnings film. I'm just mm. I'm just worried about potentially losing that focus focus on Joker as he transitions into this bigger kind of Prince of Crime kind of thing. <laughs> but I think that's a general yeah. issue that everyone probably faced when writing their sequel pitches that's mm. mm-hmm. to say it was it's hard to say because i wouldn't focus obviously to be on no so much say say the camera to be on joker mm. and it most of the time it is kind of shared with batman but that is kind of what's going for that's to say like i wanted a body cop uh, road trip where they do kind of have equal equal screen time oh i did have one more question because they've <laughs> they've obviously met so would you have any sort of Inkling. No, because I want I want the idea that Bruce Wayne has gone a little bit uh, insane. Okay. So and Joker doesn't know he's Batman or or the Shadow mm. and stuff. So again, like Batman could mention a time where some stranger put his fingers in his mouth, <laughs> and maybe they both don't remember. But um, <laughs> no. okay, I like that. I do like that kind of um, two sides of the same coin almost. I think that's an interesting mm. way to kind of bring Batman back down to Joker's level. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Who would you uh, like to pick on next? I would like to hear Matt's <laughs> pitch next. Well, Matt. Did you pick me because of the connection in the titles where Andy clearly <laughs> saw mine and thought, hey, joke's on you, Matt. I'm going first. Mine, mine's been in the whole I don't know. Matt. I don't know what you're talking about. These two titles sound completely independent of each other. <laughs> um, so, yet my title is Joker, colon, fool me twice. Uh, one line at Gotham is burning, the cockroaches are feasting, and a sinister new power is rising. Power rises. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my third movie, leave it out. (laughs) Good stuff. Right, so we open in the same hallway that we closed the first movie in, and the guard is chasing Joker from side to side side again, uh, (laughs) and the camera tracks along the corridor this time. As we're near that T-junction at the end of the corridor, it's now suddenly the guard that's being chased by the Joker. They both vanish off-screen left, and as the camera reaches the end of the corridor and bears right, we hear a bone-crunching sound, and we see the Joker over the top of the dead guard, 
pinching the keys and freeing himself. Immediately cut to title, Joker, fool me twice. Uh, from there, we snap back to the outside of the uh, Arkham State Hospital, and we learn that essentially uh, he's he's in a similar nurse outfit to Ledger, so it's a bit of a homage moment, uh, walking away from the hospital in a similar shot, but we don't see any explosions. Uh, he walks through the streets of Gotham, seeing like, the leftover from the carnage that was caused, and we see the newspaper clipping similar to the first movie, and basically we learn that it's been about four weeks since the end of the first movie, so this takes place quite soon after. Uh, in an alleyway, he, he's walking the side streets, he heads down an alleyway, uh, and he sees a load of graffiti of clowns killing cops, um, and he starts his maniacal laugh, where which brings on the attention and he's confronted by three men. Uh, one of them gets very hands-on, but Joker instantly dispatches him, much to the shock of the others, like, just kind of showing this nature to snap now that seems to be coming out of him um, and being able to take on much stronger individuals. Yet yeah, he snaps and they realise who it is and they immediately bow to him. We're then going to have a load of exposition dialogue uh, of the two other guys walking him to like, some place to meet. Uh, they're talking about the gangs that are rising in his honour. Uh, they're fighting back. They're taking... They're kind of fighting against the rich. They take him down the back streets. They go into a side door and there's a load of gangsters in there and some of the mob bosses are in there. The lackeys are all super excited. They scream and they cheer at their hero's return. The bosses, however, sit there. They're looking a bit more concerned. The power that they have seems to be slipping away from them, perhaps. One boss, however, is sat very silent. He's a rather rotund chap with a top hat and tails sporting a monocle. Act two of the movie is basically Joker becoming more and more maniacal. Uh, he's feeding off the adoration of the lackeys um, and he's confronting these different mob bosses and basically making them swear fealty to him and submit to him. Or if he doesn't, if they don't, if they kind of stand their ground, he kills them in all sorts of really fucked up ways. Uh, and of course, the lackeys then immediately submit to him and become part of his army. Uh, he keeps explaining that he's wanting to bring the full circus to town next time, uh, foreshadowing quite a major event in Gotham. There's a scene with the Joker and the Penguin meeting. Uh, it turns out Penguin isn't a mob boss, he's just there. He's a well-to-do chap who loves rubbing shoulders with the underbelly. Uh, he's slimy, he's obviously lying, but Joker smiles uh, and he's kind of, he strokes the Penguin's face with a butterfly knife. Uh, I hope they were around in the 70s. If not, we'll just use a knife of any form. Uh, and he carries on just us in the words, fool me once, he says, laughs and walks away. Penguin does show a sign of relief, obviously. He's just come up front with the Joker. Uh, in amongst the scenes of the Joker getting all this notoriety and power, we do see the life of little Bruce Wayne falling apart after his parents' death. Uh, and he's preparing for a very major public funeral service. Of course, probably more foreshadowing. We also keep cutting back throughout the different scenes to the Penguin, uh, seeing that he's up to something. It's definitely suspicious, although we're not really sure what he's up to until the end of the movie. So, we reach Act 3. It culminates with the Joker and his circus sabotaging the public celebrations for Thomas and Martha Wayne. Uh, it's like an act of defiance against the clowns and against the uprising that they're going to celebrate the good people still in Gotham. Um, but of course that is completely overrun by all these clowns 
uh, and it's uh, it's very bloodshed. A lot of shit doesn't go down well at all. Uh, Joker, having inspired his troops, probably stands on a burning police car or something, inspires his troops, and he slips away in all the chaos. We then cut to the private ceremony of, of uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne on the Wayne Manor, and we see it's suddenly he's addressed up Arthur Fleck, and he's walking towards the function. It's quite a way away. He's on the hills, and you can kind of see overseeing the funeral. Uh, he's away away, and we see him walking towards the function slowly with a smile, uh, stroking the gun hilt, but he's suddenly grabbed by a bunch of cops. Uh, we kind of cut to behind and see it from the other side, and behind the cops is Penguin, who smiles a very wry smile and simply chimes, fool me twice, as more cops surge in and he's dragged away. Quite stunned for the moment at the treasure, it's the first time someone's really gone against him since he's had all this power, so it's kind of a moment of learning for the Joker. Uh, composed again in the van, we see the Joker suddenly begin to laugh maniacally again, uh, and he appears to kind of like smash one of his teeth in, and he reveals something that's sharp, and he kind of reaches up and starts pulling it out as the van's driving off. Uh, Penguin again suddenly goes from being quite confident and quite smug of himself to again a bit disturbed, and we see the funeral finish without interruption, and we fade to black credits. Post-credit scene, it'll probably be a mid-credit scene rather than post-credit scene. We have the exact same shot of the funeral from up above, looking at it from quite far away. Uh, but then we realise that time's moved on, and we see a man stood over the grave with freshly laid flowers. Uh, and it's a grave now, you can see the grass is grown back, so time has passed. We cut to a close-up of the man, a shadowed face, but there's enough light to reveal Robert Patterson. What talk about mic drop at the end of that. <laughs> right. So I liked the introduction of the penguin into this world a lot mm-hmm. because it feels especially the way you introduce it, because it feels like a character that could definitely exist within this grounded world. It's one of the more kind of real batman villains and i also think it's one that hasn't got enough play it sounds like even with the upcoming like the batman it's still going to be a background character so i like how you put the penguin front and center and he's much more he's not like danny devito like fat Mm. chilling with penguins (laughs) (laughs) and um i really liked uh the disruption of the memorial services for thomas Mm. and martha wayne because i think that ties neatly into the problems and the like psychological turmoil turmoil of arthur in the original because like mm-hmm. it makes total sense that he would then go after it because it's, it, it's you're celebrating the very thing that he he was trying to stamp out which i think is really smart i wanted to ask um what relation does the penguin have to the wayne family if he does because when i was reading it i was like okay so is he working like with the wayne family does he have a connection there no, I think it's very ambiguous if there is anything there. I think this is just... I'm quite inspired by the Gotham TV series in this. Mm. Uh, I kind of had uh, pulled similarities from some of those characters. Um, and I just really enjoy the portrayal of Penguin in that Gotham TV series and how he's always kind of having to resort to clever tactics because he's not that really powerful man at the front. So I think this is more... He's not done it in terms of, or at least it can be hung, that it's not necessarily that he's protected the private funeral, more that he's just going to take over the fact that the Joker's served his part in his bigger story now, his bigger Mm. picture. 
So, yeah, there's, I must admit, I didn't put in or certainly haven't thought of any deeper character relationships for the penguin within the Wayne family at this point, no. Okay. How how old is the penguin in this? I'm seeing him as kind of like late 20s, early 30s. Like, okay. he's just lived this very luxurious life that we don't really know how he's as, or, you know, how he's as big as he is. Certainly, is it food or is it a genetic condition? You know, he's dressed with his top hat and tails, but that doesn't necessarily mean they need to be pristine. They could be more, They could be rough around the edges so that, you know, he puts on a front similarly to Joker in some ways, but it is just that it's a front, so... Okay, I like that as well because it's like he's literally having to take on like a, almost like a physical manifestation of everything he hates again and yeah. setting up Penguin as kind of this rich villain against this poor guy who's lost his mind I think is a really interesting dichotomy to explore, especially with the fact that Penguin technically wins at the end which is also really interesting mm-hmm. as well because that is kind of how it would go in real life i mean this this crazy clown man isn't going to be able to beat a guy who's got billions of dollars but um uh, and the post credit scene mm-hmm. when does that take place because robert panson is like his mid 20s mid 30s as, as bruce wayne so time time has passed so Obviously, we're not. This would be more towards a threequel, but like, is is Joker uh-huh. still around in this time? I would absolutely be around. This is. I have just rewritten the upcoming Batman film now, so uh. uh, it now <laughs> very heavily <laughs> it, it very heavily relies on Joaquin Phoenix reprising his role as a slightly older Joker uh, in the Robert Pattinson movie. Uh, this is just that's just a bit of Matt Rushton dream scope in there. Uh, imagining what if we could actually have it so that the two universes were tied and obviously we we joked about it in the review bit that is just wishful thinking but i thought it would be fucking cool if it turned out that whacking phoenix was robert pattinson's joker it would be cool i think the only thing is i think robert pattinson would probably just kill arthur fleck in about two punches (laughs) absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. He's just like so frail, he punches through him. <laughs> they do some real <laughs> fucked up shit to him in Arkham Asylum. That's what it is. He's essentially got the DC equivalent of the super serum in him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out and he's the fuck. <laughs> yeah, basically. Why not? Oh god, I'm just shitting on my own pitch now. No, I've never seen that. I've redacted no, that no, statement. No, no. I like it, I like it. I like the idea that he comes out and he's just ripped. Yeah. Because <laughs> I suppose it kind, of, it kind of works. If he's taking on so many guards and beating the shit out of them, he's building up muscle. It's <laughs> <laughs> intense workouts. <laughs> okay, so last pitch, Ross, take it away. Hello, uh, I obviously saving the best till last. Uh, I have a really complex title uh, of Joker Two because I don't think it needs oh, anything God. else because oh, it's a fucking okay. grounded oh. movie. It doesn't need some <laughs> shitty little semicolon fucking shit. It's like, coming out of the gate swinging. 
Yeah. <laughs> he also had jokes on you, but he just took it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so Joker now in prison finds himself being used for political gain and his discovery of his new level of fame. Oh, uh, so interlaced in my pitch, I want to have like, you know, uh, long shot cinematography being like, you know, a big thing in mine as well. Uh, so I can take my time with this <laughs> movie. So the movie opens and we see a puddle of blood. The camera tracks through it. We have the score of the previous Joker playing. Uh, we see multiple dead bodies. The camera pans up and we see the Joker sitting laughing in a pool of blood, a blade in his hand. Uh, then a load of armed guards burst in, knock him to the floor, blacking him out. And then we see the title sequence. Uh, we then see a montage of him being sentenced to life in Arkham Prison for the murders of the hospital staff. Uh, we then get some cool, like, close-ups of Joaquin Phoenix stuff, uh, you know, to get the idea that he's now embraced who he is, you know, you know, really close-up with him smoking, doing some really cool <laughs> shit like that. Uh, we then catch a glimpse of news people outside reporting on the events and a huge crowd of people with clown masks protesting his trial. He gets shoved into a van and the crowd start getting rowdy. They then uh, attack the van. The Gotham police have no choice but to open fire. Uh, the van gets away. Uh, he gets taken to Arkham Prison for all the baddies where they go. They all go there. Um, he gets introduced to all the people on his wing like... Uh, I think Clarice from Silence of the Lambs, um, <laughs> without the semen throwing in the hair. Uh, <laughs> he gets put in his cell, uh, and then he starts to do his bathroom dance thing. Why not? You know, uh, put that in there. Um, we then get a scene in the canteen of the prison in which he is approached by a big guy, a really, really big guy. He threatens Joker. Joaquin breaks his... Uh, plastic fork and shoves it in his neck uh, and then uses his blood to paint a smile on his face. The inmates cheer and he gets beat up by the guards and tossed in solitary. We then get seen in the offices of Mayor Aubrey James. He is looking at some newscast of Joker. Uh, he sees his popularity with the people. Uh, he's talking to some guy so he can get the exposition. We learn that Aubrey James's popularity has gone down ever since the situation with the Joker. And obviously the, the fact that Gotham police are really, um, you know, forceful in their... Uh, protest in their you know reaction to protesting um and it's not getting any better so he comes up with a plan to try and get joker released in order to win back the popularity of the people then when he gets out he can have him killed or something or murdered um cut back to a padded room and joker is sitting there again we all want some great joaquin phoenix crazy <laughs> improv uh that can be inserted there uh maybe he gets into a fridge yeah, or yeah something. Put another I fridge think. in there yeah. <laughs> two he fridges fridge this time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, who and um he then gets dragged into it in an interview room who is there none other than dr harley quinzel she starts to interview him, maybe a flashback or two of uh, the Joker's uh, childhood, uh, and there's instantly a spark there, as we can see. Um, we then have some more character stuff around the prison of Joker, maybe watching a news broadcast of the mayor saying he's 
uh, he is a Joker guy and maybe uh, he has a clown face on or something and uh, he promises to release him. I want it to be kind of similar to the so the whole um, Tiger King thing. Like, you know, um, uh, Trump is sort of using that as a way to, you know, win over the people to get him, like, you know won over by the people so um we have more interviews with harley uh, establishing a bond that they are uh, starting to have together uh he then gets a visit from the mayor and the mayor convinces him he's done no wrong and that he will get him out um he sort of manipulates, like the mayor manipulates him, kind of. Uh, then there's a big courtroom scene, or whichever dramatic way they want to present it. The Joker is officially released from prison. The mayor is seen as a hero, and everyone's cheering him, throwing underwear at him, whatever, you know. Uh, we then have one final interview with Harley. Uh, there's a real touching moment. It looks as if they're about to kiss, but Joker is told that he's released, and he's taken away from her instantly. So... Uh, Seen outside the prison with the mayor and Joker and a vast sea of people that come to see him and all the cameras are there and the mayor hands him some red paint to put on his face. He does. He puts the smile on his face. Um, we then get a scene after the event in which the mayor hires a hitman to take out Joker but to make it look like an accident. More scenes with the Joker adjusting to his fame, maybe an awkward scene with the cops that get mauled by the mob in the first movie. Maybe they get mauled again, who knows? Um, <laughs> then, because they actually, like in the news report, it says they... They're in critical condition, but they're, they're, they're alive still. Uh, so then we get hit. Uh, then we get the hit scene. So the hitman scene. Uh, with somewhat, uh, somehow Joker survives the hit, but horribly, he's horribly disfigured with a Chelsea smile. He finds out it was the mayor's idea. He travels to this big mansion with some goons, breaks in, kills the mayor and his wife. One goon turns to the Joker and says, what now, boss? The Joker turns to him and says, it's showtime. Then we have a montage scene with the theme of uh, New York, New York by Frank Sinatra playing in the background. We get shots of Joker and the gang growing, maybe doing a bank robbery. Uh, Joker dancing down those stairs again, murdering those cops from the first one, maybe. Uh, him laughing, <laughs> smoking, news bulletins, him hooking up with Harley. Uh, basically, this final scene is going to give the premise that he now owns the city. The final shot is a, uh, the crescendo of the song is him sitting at the back of a comedy club like a proper mob boss, and the credits roll. We get a post-credit scene of a moustached man arriving in Gotham, and a woman with him shouts Gordon and that's it and then we get a post post credit scene of Bruce Wayne looking at the <laughs> destruction of the city uh, he's 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 only a few years older than he is so he's about 15 Alfred turns it off they have a little bit of dialogue with Bruce wanting wanting to do something because he's a 15 year old that's angry um, but Alfred says he's too young anyway annoyed he runs outside and we see him fall in an underground cave and then we hear <coughs> the uh, noise of bat screeches end of movie <laughs> wow. who, who could he be turning out to be oh. so this pitch what to say about this pitch I like it I think it's good I think it's a good pitch it feels like a more intimate contained film 
which is continuing like the stylistic and thematic threads of the first one. I really like the political angle you're going for, continuing the inherent corruption and insidious grip crime has on Gotham, especially with the continued manipulation of Arthur. I think that's a really clever, clever thing because you're giving him more power, but it's he's still being manipulated, which shows that even though he is gaining more power as Joker, he's he's still he's still he's still almost like a pawn in in Gotham's yeah. game, and he has to he has to basically knock the whole board off if he wants to get on get onto it. And I really like yeah I really liked how you introduced uh, Harleen. I thought that was really organic and like a natural continuation of where Arthur's story left us. And I think those moments give him a really human lifeline to continue some of those emotional beats that Joaquin's known for. Like you said, like he's get some Joaquin improvisation in there. <laughs> yeah. But I, I also think that's a re- those are some really good moments where you could get some Oscar winning interactions in there again. Like you say, go back, go back to the childhood cast. cast jacob trembling so yeah who were you thinking to cast in the roles of harleen and and the mayor oh good question good question uh harley uh oh i have no idea Someone who has won an Oscar. Um, I don't really know, actually. Who would you think is is the question? Who would you want to be in my movie? <laughs> nice. That's totally back on to me. Yeah, I see. I think Mayor Aubrey James. I, I'm just going to do Harleen. Actually, I won't. I won't give you the mayor. But I think for I think for Harleen, it would be good to have like a young a young actress. Someone who's in like yeah. her mid twenties, maybe, because it's kind of it's got that weird angle, but also at the same time you feel sympathetic for them. So maybe like a like a Sabrina Carpenter, maybe, or a Kin and Ship, yeah. or a Kin and Shipka, because at this time I guess it's not really Harley, it's more Harleen, and then kind of down yeah. the line you can corrupt her a little bit. But right now it's kind of like that dichotomy of like good, innocent, pure, bad, evil, corrupted kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, you. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly who I was going to say. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. It's like yeah. I read your mind. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think an old. I think an older. I think an older person for. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I don't know. No, actually, I was going to say Ray it. Winston, but then I was like, "Ooh, that's not a bad idea." That's not a bad idea. But then he wasn't that great in Black Widow. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll think about that. But yeah, I'm thinking someone slightly rotund, but very good. Like has won a few Oscars mm. in his time. Um, but yeah, or oh, Al Pacino maybe. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's not very funny. Because Al Pacino would be pretty cool. Then you got Joaquin killing De Niro in the first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Al Pacino. There you go. Um, who are some of the inmates that we could potentially see on Arthur's wing? Because that's like a that's basically prime Easter yeah. egg bait right there. Yeah, I think you'd uh, you'd have uh, I think you'd have. Uh, it would go past one of them and you wouldn't really see the person but you see on the wall there'd be a question mark probably Um, you'd see a girl with a cat maybe Um, and um, 
and I think that's it. I don't want to do too many. I don't want to do too many. <laughs> Can you not do many? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who could I say that they haven't said? <laughs> and there's just a massive cr- crocodile just sitting on the floor. <laughs> oh, shit. There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so Mayor Aubrey, like in kind of the comics and I think in Gotham as well, he's sort of wrapped up in the Court of Owls and Carmine Falcone. Would you touch on that or would we get like a scene where he's speaking with like a mob boss or maybe like someone wearing a mask? I did think that and I did think that like he'd have, that's the scene that he would have saying about, oh, we can just kill him after. Mm. Um, Uh, So like the mayor's not even really in control. It's like something he's told to do. Yeah, and that that they use his they use, like he's getting them as um the mob boss like he's talking to someone mm. you don't really know who it is and he's like oh we need him killed and he said like maybe someone says oh don't worry I'll sort that out I can see Matt shaking his head going like, you're just changing your pitch now <laughs> 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 just added so many more layers than my house in the life for fuck's sake <laughs> this he's is like developing the onion ideas. to my cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, maybe. Maybe it's uh maybe it's a deeper thing and then you could do that in maybe another one, who knows? Okay. Um That's yeah. that's all my notes and all my questions. That's all your notes. Yes. Well well yes. pitched, boys, well pitched. Ooh. This is the bit where we get dirty. Gloves come off and we get down. Uh at the sound of the giraffe. Good luck, Drew, finding a giraffe sound. <laughs> Hit us up with why your pitch is the best. Enter a giraffe sound now, Drew. <laughs> Uh, Sab, you should pick mine because mine is in the world, uh, in the world that the 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 Joker set the original one. It doesn't have a stupid pun title because it would not fit in this world. The jokes on you would not work in a pun uh, title in a Joker movie would absolutely work. It would the, not the worst work. pun, the better. So you are right in saying that Andy's is a Batman movie. Unfortunately, it is a Batman movie, not a Joker movie. He tries to introduce too many things, and the same as um, the same as Matt. I think he tries to introduce uh, his isn't as bad as yeah. Like he tries to introduce the penguin. You have about ten times the amount of shit that I have on mine. Okay, so if I introduce it, like you've just brought in a whole bloody Batman encyclopedia. Okay, that's what I'll say to that comment straight up. And also, none of them know how the fuck old fucking Bruce Wayne is in there. Matt is He's an eighteen-year-old talking to. Well, Arthur Fleck is supposed to be forty years old in Joker, so he's talking to a fifty-year-old in a car about like who he is an 18 year old talking to a fifth is like dad and son talking. yeah that's the whole point it's this odd couple uh, on, a ro- on a kind of dark comedy road trip andy's genre bending <laughs> his movie anyway uh, like, his is a buddy comedy it's not, co- anyway. it's not actually like a comedy it's supposed to just be dark it's obviously the first one's got a little bit of comedy but yeah but it's not like actual road trip but they like the todd phillips road yeah. trip film yeah um yeah i think matt might have got his timings wrong um because yeah like the well, you just Colin said Barrel five the... to eight years you don't have five timings in yours it depends it depends how, how old timings the kids it depends how old the kid is in the first film because he's, he's about to be 10. like 18 so it's gonna be eight years then oh, so i'm getting, getting done for a post-credit scene <laughs> you said right, yours so is i'm getting weeks. done for a post-credit scene are they gonna do that are they gonna cgi robert patterson down like 10 years 
That's, you and know that's what? The Take the post credit scene out. That's his. fine. We'll just so, end the movie where, where he goes off in the, in the police car. That's an easy fix. It's a lot easier to mine, fix mine than your movie. For mine, uh, for mine, I expect Matt's. A lot, it just, there's not enough obstacles for this protagonist to overcome. He just kind of saunters his way kind of through the mob a little bit. And he gets maybe an obstacle at the end. But what are the audience watching basically for the first hour of this film? And kind of the same with uh, Ross's. Like, what obstacles? What's the excite? What's the inciting incident that kicks off these movies? Mine, maybe uh, a little bit Batman-y and stuff, but you definitely know what's going on. Where a lot of the time it feels this is going to be just dragging with both Matt's and and Ross's. Hmm. I mean, Matt's is my comment. Hang on, my turn. Oh, go sorry, go on, mate. I just want to kind of bring back to the comment about the protagonist and the challenges they overcome. The biggest Hmm. challenge that Andy's protagonist has to overcome is the Joker because his the jokes on you, audience. This isn't a Joker film; it's Batman (laughs) film. (laughs) You fell for it. Thank you for your money. And you kill Batman Um, as well. (laughs) And you kill him at the end. You kill your protagonist. There's not going to be another one, so let's just fucking kill him off. Yeah, you see, if, you. if yeah. my biggest problem is not going to be a third, actually, now, so I like that, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Your definitely biggest problem is act two and act three. Um, it's, you know, I enjoy the idea of a body comedy. It would be quite interesting to see Joker and Batman traveling, to, Shadow traveling together. So, but I certainly wouldn't fit this this trilogy. That would feel a lot more comedic than I think it'd probably mm. feel out of place. So, that's an act that kind of falls flat and then act three comes from nowhere you don't even know why they fall out so when i have problems and holes in mind i said there's a genuine trust being built and that gets broken somehow what you need because that comes out in the script you need to know a major that's a major you have to go about something that's obviously going to come out in the script that's a major plot that's a major plot hole there's a trust building between the two and it's broken yeah we need to know why from you that isn't so that isn't a good enough excuse coming from this is the pitch needs to have in the big moment that breaks this incredible trust anyway there's enough of reasons why you shouldn't win and uh, Ross's shouldn't win because <laughs> it's just to, like we we had a very intimate journey and I actually disagree with you a little bit Sam I don't think Ross's is a very intimate journey Ross is about so many more people than the Joker the Joker's just <laughs> the one in the middle that kind of gets pulled along a bit and I like that idea yeah. but I, again I think it makes the movie much bigger and much bigger bigger than the Joker where, you know, mine is still very much the Joker is the lead, you know, the lead character in this movie. Penguin serves as a strong secondary, but it's still He's very the much the, the most Joker. disappointing is, yeah, end can I, to the can movie. I just, can I just uh, say, so I it's just, not the... Yeah, actually, go on, Ross, because this is a good point. No, I was just going to say, it's such a disappointing end of Matt's <laughs> movie. It's just like, oh, Let's I fucked you over. Uh, See you later. Yeah, yours is just a montage of clips. Like, you, no, your whole I did, third act is just no, basically no, 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 no. My, my big... Yeah. My big uh, bit is him going to the mansion and killing the mayor. Then he has the bit. Yeah, but that's yeah, going to take like two minutes, isn't it? Them running the city and taking over all the celebrations you're, and him you're in the middle of that. Film. How, then he's I just mapping out and doing it. How is this entertaining for the audience Matt, to watch if he's just going out and just doing it? Matt, your film is four weddings and a funeral without the weddings. All right? uh, with, <laughs> so your it's just a funeral. It's leading to a much bigger movement, as is yours, Ross. But mine still has the importance of the Joker at the helm. I like how not that... the not mm. the commissioner and the penguin and the penguin the doesn't do anything. Not the Falcons and the Carmines. It's everyone else in Ross's film, bar the Joker. <laughs> mine is the Joker orchestrating this. No, but 
You Mine's don't understand. The Joker movie. Yours too. One's a Batman movie. Yours got the penguin in it. Yeah, movie. yours is half a penguin. <laughs> no, and the penguin, penguin doesn't even do anything penguiny. He's just a guy. He's just a well-to-do chap. Oh, well, I call him so by his actual you name. You just then. said He's that mine is so the penguin. You just said mine is solely Joker. You were like, yeah, and mine souls is a second. I am going to hope that Sab has more common sense than both of you bloody lunatics and listens (laughs) to my points and remembers all the positive points that he said about the penguin in my movie and the journey that the Joker takes with his clown following. So I'm just going to sit back now and let you two little children cry and scream over your (laughs) microphones. I'm just saying, hey, I don't want to watch a movie about a a, a funeral, uh, and I also don't want to watch a film about uh, Batman being killed at the end of the Hey, you will be if it's Al fucking Pacino, mate. Sorry, my bad, my bad. Great little part of knowing that was, honest. It's a good thing you got levels and shams in my arse. That was in my head. All right, all right, we're running out of time, boys. Let's go to final final thoughts for for Sab, and then he can give us our decision. Who um. Let's start with who went last. Um, Ross, Ross went, went last, didn't you? So what like, am I why, saying? Why, why should I should... pick you? Final thoughts. Just you should just pick mine. Look, I'm not gonna t- good, give him a good, final uh... thought. I'm gonna tell Sab. Sab is gonna make his own mind up. You you do you, mate. You do you. That's confidence right there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Just, yeah. Yeah. Matt. I have nothing to say because you'll both just talk over me, sir. Sab knows why you should pick mine because we had the discussion at the end of my pitch no uh, you should pick mine because it introduces Batman but he doesn't overpower the film we explore both characters obviously we know a lot about Joker that's why you're saying it's all Batman heavy but no it's a, it's a fun little road trip and a good ending where the audience can make up what goes on and we can lead to a third maybe if, if the money's there I guess Right, well, I don't think I've heard you guys argue quite as much as you have. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. This it's, is a good, yeah. good To be honest, debate. I think we could have gone on, but we're at one an hour and 20 at the moment. So yeah. we're very divisive. So is it time for me to crown the winner? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well. Thoughts on our pitches and then the winner. Yes, okay, so I'm going to go Andy first. Andy, mm. I, I respect the directions that you're trying to go in. I think the part of the reason that the Joker originally was so successful is because it takes different genres and puts them together and isn't afraid to kind of put a new spin on things. And I'm always a fan of going against the grain when it comes to fandom. So killing off the Batman, it's bold, but it's an artistically challenging choice that I respect. It's not Robert Pattinson. It's not going to come (laughs) back at all or anything like that. You have to be silent now. The guest is true. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Matt, obviously you know I like that you introduced the penguin. I think that's a great continuation of, of that world and it's it keeps it in Gotham and I also like the memorial being disrupted because that feels like a natural continuation of the psychology of Arthur and Joker and everything that the all of the themes that the film was tackling in the first one. And Ross, I I think it's interesting that you keep it quite intimate, quite contained. It's quite a small cast. You know, you've got Harleen on the inside. You've got Aubrey James on the outside. <laughs> but there was one, there was one pitch 
where when I read it, I was just like, this this does feel like Joker 2. This feels like just this feels like this feels like the film they are gonna make. So this week's winner, I have to give it to Ross. Ross. Hey! <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, like, oh, as soon as you added all those extra layers, I was like, for fuck's sake, I, man. <laughs> I think I think your films, are, I think all your films are solid. Andy, I think yours would make a really great Batman film as well. Matt, I think yours is is strong as well. But it's just Ross. Everything about it feels like a continuation of the original. Continuing a lot of those political threads, it keeps the cast small. And I think one of the most difficult things when it comes to making a sequel like this is that, like, Arthur Fleck in the original Joker, he's kind of a weakling. He's still, he's a nobody. And I think one of the challenges is how do you make the Joker so he's stronger, but he's still being mm. being manipulated? And I think that's one of the yeah. biggest problems with this. And I don't think any of your mm. pitches were bad at all. It's the hardest thing to make this protagonist Ooh. who's so powerful weak, definitely, yeah, and still have him, you know, grow so much and yeah definitely i love that well, well, ross does it at the end i i as soon as he was like what the yeah. hell boss i was like god yeah no i like three movie journey <laughs> yeah that could be that could be interesting to have him get involved in a bit in politics and stuff um so thanks think. thank you sab <laughs> for that crowning wi- victory yes, well um, done ross you had a couple of good points well done for bringing harley in <laughs> that's uh that was that was quite well done as well and matt i do like um uh joker kind of going through the mob um that could be a very interesting him kind of uh his journey through the mob <clears throat> so well done oh, well good, done man. all round good um, well done guys <laughs> What's our what's our next film going to be then, Ross? Since you are the winner, uh, next episode uh, we are getting all loved up, oh. all lovey dovey, uh, with our rom com. Uh, so we are going to be doing the nineteen ninety three rom com Sleepless in Seattle. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be. We're gonna have to try and make this this episode or the next episode very loving. Our debate section can't be fighting. Yeah. We have to prop up each other's movies. Yeah. Like, no, don't pick mine. Pick the other two. And yeah. um, it is gonna be our lowest rated episode ever. <laughs> Valentine's Day is on the corner. Thank you to everyone who listened this week. If you like what you heard uh, this episode, we have many more episodes for you to catch up on. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a like and a review. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and everything under Sequel Pitch or visit our website. It's sequelpitch.co.uk. Sab, where can the folks find you? Uh, Well, you can find me on Twitter, just at Sab underscore Astley. And I'm... I'm writing all the time. I've got a thing coming up in the next month or so for Insider um, and hopefully working some more with the Radio Times. So that should be fun. Wow. Nice. Uh, Keep your eyes out for Sab. That's it for this week then. Thanks very much again for joining us. Let's all give a massive thank you and goodbye to Sab Ashley. Thank you guys for having me on. Mate, you've been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your expertise in film that we do definitely do not have. uh, (laughs) Very true. We say goodbye from this week's winner, Ross Harmston. Goodbye. I don't know what that from. I was going to do Goodbye. Oh, yeah, I could have done the laugh. Yeah.
Yeah, there we go. Goodbye from me. We'll see you next episode where we go. Ooh, lovely, lovely. Oh, <laughs>